0: Well, we are in a series this morning. Anybody tell me what the series is? Amen. One more time. Live to give. give. And I want to tell you that this series has been such a burden uh, on my heart as I've been studying it, preaching it, reading, and uh, just kind of going through it as we've talked about it together. It has really been a burden, and it's even more of a burden now I was telling uh, some of the elders uh, this week that we only have two more messages in this series, and it is there's some revelatory knowledge, I think. There's a lot of stuff that we already knew in the series, but I really believe that this is something that God wants to do a work in our hearts, all of us, in our hearts about. He really wants to do it. Listen, if you are a person who is from, say, America— and you travel to another country like uh, you know, Uganda or you know, Kenya or the Philippines, uh, you know, there in Manila, or you travel somewhere to Asia, China, maybe you go to Beijing, and you are working there for a time or you uh, are there for an extended uh, amount of time, what you'll find is that just because you're an American doesn't give you any special privileges you know, in some other country right? You have to assimilate. You have to do things the way they do things. You have to follow their traffic laws, uh, right? Uh, You know, in in a lot of cases you have to eat uh, their cuisine, although they may have some places like we do, uh, you know, that kind of cater to uh, foods of other countries. Uh, But you're going to have to follow their way of doing things. Likewise, if you're someone who we have, you know, many people who uh, even in this church and in this city uh, who visit uh, here for a time or even move to America, uh, there's a lot that you can keep. You don't lose your identity, but the thing is you kind of have to assimilate. You You have to follow all the laws of this country that you're in. Well, the kingdom of God, folks, works the same exact way. We as people cannot expect to take all the things that we've learned in the world, all the things we've done as Americans, Ugandans, uh, you know, Filipinos, whatever we are, we cannot expect as human beings to take what we've learned as humans uh, into the kingdom of God and expect it to work that same way. But unfortunately, so many of us do. We do. We, we think the kingdom of God works the way that uh, we, uh, you know, we, we work, uh, you know, in this country and the kingdom of god simply doesn't work that way it simply doesn't and so what we find is if we're going to live kingdom living you know jesus said that i come said the thief comes that uh, that he might steal kill and destroy but i come that what you might have life and have it what more abundantly that's why Jesus came and if we're going to live that abundant life or if we're going to live life more abundantly then we have to do things the way that he has us to do things we have to do things the way uh, the kingdom of God uh, has set it up God has set it up in his kingdom and so one of the areas that God has has set up uh, principles in his kingdom is in giving I said it already, Uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his son. Jesus gave his life. And in the kingdom of God, giving is a way of life. Giving is how you overcome. Giving is how you are blessed. Giving is how you get your bills paid. It's not magic. I'm not telling you some magic formula that if you give magically, someone will, you know, uh, take your bill off. That's not what I'm telling you, magic. You, you still have to pay your bills and do what you're supposed to do. But what I'm telling you is God is your provider and he uses uh, your job. He uses people. He uses all kinds of things to provide to you. And so but the only way that we're provided for is through God is to do things the way that he calls us to do things. And that is through having be live to give. That's what we're here for. We live to give. And it's not just money. When you hear that, you think, "Oh, give." He's talking about tithing or giving in the offering. Here's what I want to tell you is my prayer during this series has not been. I'm standing here before the Lord It has not been that we raise a big offering. You know, at the end of this series, uh, people get convicted and then we raise some big offering because they're convicted to put more money in the offering. Or even that people who don't tithe, that they would start tithing, although it would benefit you to do that. You know, it would benefit you more so than God. God has everything already, okay? But it would benefit you to do that, as we've talked about before. But that's not been my prayer. My prayer and my burden has been that we all catch the revelation of kingdom living that we might be able to walk on our circumstances like Jesus walked on the circumstances when he walked on water. Remember, we talked about that Uh, when he he got out of the boat, when Peter got out of the boat and began to walk toward Jesus, he was walking on the very circumstances that were hindering him. He was walking on the water that was troubling him. And if we're going to be overcomers, if we're going to be able to walk on our circumstances, we have to do things the kingdom way. And this is one of those ways to give. We must live to give. If you have your Bible this morning, I want you to turn to the book of chronicles first chronicles but i actually have two scriptures that we're going to look at this morning two passages of scripture so also turn to the book of luke chapter 9 maybe put a marker right there in luke chapter 9 and then we're going to start back over in the book of chronicles we're going to start in chronicles chapter 29 god is compelling us to catch this revelation of giving When we talk about giving, it's not just of your money, though it is your finances, but we're talking about your whole life. We're talking about your time. Uh, We're talking about everything about you should be a gift. You know, one of the things that... um, I used to joke with a a man that I was in the the Army with years ago. He was a great guy, and uh, he just had a great demeanor. And whenever you're in basic training or you're in what they call AIT, which is Advanced Individual Training right after basic, uh, you know, you're getting yelled at. It's, uh, you know, you're out rolling in the dirt doing push-ups and, you know, getting yelled at for things you didn't do and all sorts of things. And it's just, uh, it could be a miserable time, you know, to some. And so th- we would, you know, we would just come in after a long day of, you know, we had a big pack on our back, and we walked out to the range, and we had to uh, go out there nine miles out, and, uh, you know, we had to walk out there and run part of the way, shoot, and then we had to walk nine miles back, and during the time, somebody would mess up something, so we had all have to do push-ups with the packs on our back. It was just, you know, a horrible thing, and just a terrible day, and you're dirty and greasy and all these type, and you're, you're, uh, all these types of things, and you're also very grouchy. Come on, how I many you know you can be grouchy after a day like that? Some people are grouchy, uh, and they didn't even go through all those things, but... Uh you're grouchy after a day like that, and we come in, and we're ready for bed. We take our showers and all that, and this guy would always walk in, and he'd just say something like, oh, man, this was a great day. Listen, it's going to be a better day tomorrow. Guys, you can make it through this thing we're, because we're all together. It's not like you're alone. And He was always laughing, and some guys would, you know, throw their shoes at him or socks or whatever, you know, And uh, but one of the things that we always said after basic training was over was that whenever this guy, Lloyd, whenever he walked into the room, He only brought love. He never brought any negativity. He just brought love with him into the room. And that stuck with me all these years later that that's the kind of person I want to be. You know, when I walk into a room, I want to bring love into the room. You know, if it's a bad situation, I want to make it better, you know, by not just because of Michael, but because of God, the spirit of God working in me, you know, that would bring love into that room. If it's a good situation, God, how many know, will make it better? He will elevate it. And so we want to bring love. That's the type of Christian that we want to be. We want to be people who bring love. We want to be givers. We want to be givers of love, givers of time, givers of money, givers of resources. And it's not just that we're going to give out and never get back, but God will bless us. He will take care of us. You're like the older son in that prodigal son story. If you're in the house, uh, you are in the house. Amen. And and you are under the covering of your heavenly father and he has everything there for you. And you, when you see God treating prodigals differently, don't get jealous at the prodigal. You're already in the house. He's trying to bring them so they can get up to the level where you are. You're already there. So it's our job to bless. It's our job to bless. Chronicles chapter 29. Look at this. This is talking about David. Verse one. I'll start right at verse one. Furthermore, King David said to all the assembly that my son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great because of the temple, because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now for the house of my God, listen to this now, I want you to listen. I have prepared with all my might gold for things of gold to be made of gold silver for things of silver bronze for things of bronze iron for things of iron wood for things of wood onyx stones stones to be set glistening stones of various all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance moreover because i have set my affection on the house of my god I have given to the house of my God. Now here's the phrase and here's the title of our message today. I have given to the house of my God, listen to this, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. Here's what he's saying. What I prepared to give of my time, of my resources, of my money, of whatever I have, Because I have set my affections on my father, I now give over and above all that I had prepared. So all that he had prepared to give to the house of God, now he's saying, I am giving over and above. Now I want you to you may not believe this. I I contemplated on whether to even put this in, in the message or not. But I'm going to go ahead and do it, whether you kind of believe it or not. I, I looked at this and I researched this out because when I first heard it, I heard someone else talking about this and preaching about this and I didn't believe it. I said, oh, they're just, you know, they're just trying to make a point you know, by what they're saying. But I went ahead and did some research on it and I can't find anything that disagrees with what I found here. If you took what David gave And what he did with the gold, the silver, the bronze, and all of the various stones, precious stones, marble slabs, and all of that, and you added it up to today's currency, it would be more than $20 billion. That's billion with a B. Now, you can choose to believe that or not, but I cannot find anything to disagree with that. Over $20 billion David put into the house of God. Why? Because he set his affection upon God he goes on to say here in verse 4 and this is how we know how much it is 3,000 talents of gold of the gold of Ophir and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses the gold for things of gold and the silver for things of silver and of all kinds of work to be done by the hands of craftsmen so they gave their time who then and here's the question that I have for you this morning Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? Verse 6. Then the leaders of the fathers' houses, leaders of the tribes of Israel, the captains of thousands and of hundreds, with the officers over the king's work, offered willingly, the key word to all this whole thing, not just about the money and how much you give, but here's the thing. They offered willingly. They gave for the work of the house of God 5,000 talents, 10,000 of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord into the hand of Jehiel the Gershonite, Then the people rejoiced for they had offered, listen, willingly because with a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord and King David also rejoiced greatly. Why? Because they offered what? Willingly to the house of God. That's the key that we need to understand about this whole thing. Not only did they give over and above of everything that they had, But they offered that thing willingly, willingly. And then David begins to say a prayer. And I just want to give you a couple of verses out of that prayer. Look at verse 14 with me. This is what David says during his prayer. He says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer willingly as this? Now listen, here's a key. Here's a principle I'm going to hit home on today. For all things come from you. And of your own, we have given you. What's he saying? In other words, all we're doing is giving back to you what you've already given us. So when we feel pretentious, and when we feel like, you know, I've worked for this money, I've worked for this education, my time is valuable and precious, my resources are precious, listen to what David has to say. Whenever you give to the Lord, All you're doing is giving back to him what he's already given to you. Look at verse 17 and 18, and then we'll move on to Luke. It says, I know also, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things and now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. O oh God, O oh Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the intent of the thoughts of the heart of your people and fix their heart towards you. What's he saying? He's saying, Lord, keep this same attitude in this people that they would always, always be willing to offer to you willingly. Why do you think Paul emphasizes it? And we emphasize it even in offering time here. God loves a cheerful giver. Now again, I want to emphasize the fact that it's not about the amount. You know, someone who gives $100 is not greater than someone who gives $10. We know the story of the widow's mite right? She gave out of a sacrifice. She gave over and above because after that, she had nothing. So if you give something and it leaves you with nothing, that's what I call over and above. I don't know about you, but that's over and above what I could really afford to give to you, God. You know, I was, I was praying about this thing, and uh, I didn't even tell my wife about this, but I was, I was praying about, you know, this live to give and giving. And I said, Lord, I need to do a better job in areas. I, I walk downtown, and I walk through a park in downtown Indianapolis, and there's a lot of homeless that are in the park there, and so, you know, we kind of go back and forth sometimes with, you know, what do I do? Do I, do I give in these situations? I mean, there's so many people who could work and who could do other things, and I don't want to enable them, uh, but then there's so many uh, on the other side of that thing who really need and are willing, and what do I do? You know, and what we really need to do is just follow the prompting of the Lord, you know, follow the Holy Spirit of God, and I walk through that thing, and now I just begin to pray, Lord, you just show me, you tell me what to do, you tell me what to do, I need to hear a word from you, you tell me what to do, and I, I was, I was praying about this thing, I said, Lord, I want to um, even give more in the offering, I got a raise at work this year, and I looked, I looked at it, and I said, okay, so if I just look at 10%, you know, I look at the 10%, the tithe, because tithe means 10th, if I look at that, and then, you know, all that I, all my increase I get from here, I get from the work, whatever I do, uh, you know, weddings, funerals, all these type of things. And I look at all that, and I add it all up, and I look at this number, I'm going, good night, Lord. I mean, that's a lot. You know, that's that's kind of a lot of money. But, you know uh all I'm doing is giving back to you when I and when I say a lot of money I mean in compared to what I make okay I'm not saying you know I'm rich as some of you guys but uh I'm saying that compared to what I make and when I look at that and then and I look at bills I have to pay and I look at three kids you know who owe um you know school book rental fees which I have no idea why they do that uh for rental fees for books that they're going to give back anyway but um you know, and I pay all of those kind of, and I look at paying all these types of things, and I say, Lord, that's a lot of money. And you know what the Lord said to me? He said, that's good, because I want you to start giving uh, 20% of your income. By the way, let me, let me uh, digress a little bit. There's a, there's a friend of mine who's sort of a mentor um, in Ohio where I'm from in Ohio and uh, when I got when I caught a revelation of tithing some years ago in the mid 90s I I got this revelation and I was going oh lord have mercy this is good god will bless you he'll open up the windows of heaven and this is really the right thing to do and it's not even about the blessing it's just I want to walk in uprightness and I want to do what god asked me to do so I got this revelation about tithing and so I called my friend and I said al I said do you t- do you give 10% you know, do you give 10% when you go to church? He said, well, no, I don't. I said, oh, Al, now I got this revelation. You need to be given 10%. I said, that's the thing. You need to be given. That's what the Bible says. Now, you've mentored me, and I'm just giving back a little bit to you. You need to be given. I can show you scriptures. And he said, okay, all right, Michael. He said, don't get all upset. He said, if you want me to give 10%, I I will. He said, I was given 20%, but if you want me to give 10%, that's fine. (laughs) I said, no, no, no. And so recently the lord has prompted that in my heart and i said lord i said uh you know listen if i raise that you know what kind of position uh, that's going to put me in you know where it'll you, you know i won't be able to do this and i won't be able to do that thing and he said yeah he said well i'll be able to do this and that thing uh, you know uh, and i said oh i said well, you know what kind of position that puts me in he said yeah dependent on me right where i want you and I'll, I will bless you, and you'll be able to do all the things, the desires of your heart, and more. And by the way, last week, one of the things I didn't mention, I was talking with one of the brothers about this, when, it, when the, you know, the Bible says, I believe it's Psalm 37, 34 or 37, that uh, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart, 37. Um, he will give you the desires of your heart. That, that means, uh, get this revelation, he will give you the desires of your heart, and then he'll give you the desires of your heart. Anybody catch that? First, he'll give you the desires of your heart. He'll give those desires to you if you delight yourself in the Lord. In other words, he'll give you what desires to even have in the first place. That's how you know that you're in the will of God. And then he'll give you the desires of your heart. He'll give them to you. Like I said, like we said last week, listen, you want your kids to have good health uh, care, health coverage, God wants your kids to have health coverage. You want to take your wife on a vacation to the Keys in Florida, then God wants you to do that. So thank you, Lord. That's what we're going to do in October. But God cares about the things that you care about, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so the Lord prompted me you know, to do this thing, and I said, wow, Lord, you are, you're going to leave me dependent on you. Okay, that's what we're going to do then. That's exactly what we're going to do. Turn over to the book of Luke. Turn over to the book of Luke. You know, over and above, all that we can ask or think. What did I say? Luke chapter 9? Is that what I said, Nia? Okay. You guys, Nia keeps me on track back there. Luke chapter 9. You've heard this story before. Uh, probably many times uh, but uh, there's a revelation in here Ooh, and it is so good see the thing is here's what here this this let me tell you this before we get to this part and and finish up here first of all I want you to understand that there is no pressure on you to be a giver whether that be financially of your time I I don't want to come across as a person who's I'm doing this whole series there's been five messages in this series. We were interrupted by a couple of people, like Pastor Lou and Brother Martin, but that's okay. Um, and who gave great messages, by the way. Uh, but we have five five messages in this series, and you might say, "Well, he's really kind of pounding this point home," and I feel pressured. Don't feel any pressure to give. First thing I want you to know is there. I'm not. There is no pressure on you to give at all. Whether it, whether it is your time, uh, whether it's money, whether whatever it is. In the- Sources, no pressure on you to give. The second thing I want you to know is, I really need you to give. <laughs> I really need you to become a giver in your life. <laughs> and the reason is, not because God needs anything from you. See, the work of, of, the, of the church uh, will go on, God will do it, you know, He'll do His thing. Uh, but it'll do a work in your heart. Two reasons, because the work of the Lord does need to go on, wherever that is. Whether it's helping people, the homeless, uh, the church, the house of God, um, or whatever it is. Uh, But also, he needs to do a work in all of our lives. We need a a changed heart. We need an upgraded heart. (laughs) Come on. Uh, We need a work in our own lives. And so that's why God really wants us to become givers. He wants us to live to give. Now, here's the thing. Luke chapter 9. Look at verse number 12. Look at verse 12 in Luke chapter 9. This is not typically known as a passage of scripture that's related to giving, but boy, I tell you what, I was reading this thing, and uh, it's it's probably to me the greatest passage that you can read on giving, and I'll show you why here in a minute. It says, when the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and countries and lodge and get provisions for we are in a deserted place here. But he said, but he said to them, talking about Jesus, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves, two fish, unless we go and buy food for all these people, (coughs) excuse me, for there were about 5,000 men. Then he said to his disciples, which, (coughs) by the way, 5,000 men, so that could be 5,000 families, you know, if there's also a wife and two children, you know, 20,000 people there, okay? Not just 5,000. We always say Jesus fed the 5,000. Well, really, it's he fed maybe the 20,000, all right? We have no more than five loaves, two fish, unless we go and buy food for all these people, for there were about 5,000 men. Then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven... He blessed and broke them, and he gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and twelve baskets of leftover fragments were taken up by them. Let me ask you a quick question. How many baskets were taken up? Twelve. How many disciples were there? They all got a doggy bag, see, after this thing, so... Here's the thing, Uh, I know it's pretty good sister, listen, I'll say it and I'll say it again, we all need some corniness in our life, come on folks, we need some corniness, you know, keeps you going. (laughs) So you look here at this thing and uh, one of the things that I like to do is, especially with situations like this, you have to put yourself in the situation, okay, to really get an understanding of, you know, the impact Of this story here of the of the uh, the fish and the loaves okay put yourself in this situation so i imagine myself in this situation jesus is on the scene they were expecting a messiah to come so say you're one of these disciples you're on the messiah search committee you know you're looking for the messiah the messiah's supposed to be coming and you're going around with this guy and he looks like pretty good candidate i mean he's doing some things he's He's, uh, you know, healing people, casting out demons, and he's doing all this. And you going, man, this guy's pretty good. And by the way, then you just had the Sermon on the Mount. This is even bigger than the Sermon on the Mount, this time here. And, uh, you know, that tape's going all around. That CD's going around. People are getting it. And uh, this guy, he's just becoming more and more popular, right? Okay, so you say, this guy's good. He's, this, could be, this could be him. So you and your disciples are there, and he's going and notice in the Bible it says when the day began to wear away, so now all of a sudden it gets to be about noon, gets to be about 11 12 o'clock, and he's still going, this guy's still preaching, so you and your disciples, you know, you and your buddies are talking, you're saying, look, you know, this guy, I mean, he's preaching for a long time, He says when the day began to wear away, I mean, he's preaching, he says, now look, he's good, you know, this guy's real good, but uh, I don't know, the people are going to start getting restless here if he keeps on uh, talking. And and I'll, tell you what, and I'll tell you what, I'm hungry. I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm getting hungry. You know, it's about, it's noon, and everybody knows you stop at noon because of football and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but he's not stopping. This guy's just going straight on through. So the other guys get together and say, look here, we need to get him to dismiss service. Uh, you know, he's good, he, but we need to get him to dismiss service so that everybody can eat. There's no, look, we're in some deserted town. There's no Taco Bell's and Pizza Hut's here. You got to go all the way back into Jerusalem or some other town. So we need to get him to dismiss service. And in that way, you know, people can get something to eat. So you get elected to go up, interrupt Jesus and tell him, ask him if he can dismiss service. You say, okay, all right, you guys pick me. So you go up there to Jesus. Excuse me. Excuse me. Oh, excuse me. Sorry about that. Listen, Uh, this is good. This is a good preaching, boy. I tell you what, this is some good stuff. I tell you, you are good. He said, but listen, we were concerned about the people. We were concerned because the people are starting to get hungry, and we just wanted to know if you might want to go ahead and dismiss service because the people are starting to get hungry. And then Jesus says, you're concerned about the people. Yeah, 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 we're concerned. Now, if it was us, we could go all day. Boy, I tell you what, this is good. This is good stuff. This is life-changing but it's the people. So many people here were concerned about the people. So Jesus said, okay, you give them something to eat. He said, uh, you, excuse me? You give them something to eat. So, okay, you, so you're not going to dismiss service? No, no, you go give them something to eat. So now you got to go back to the committee. You go back to the committee, you know, and they say, well, did you get him to dismiss service? And he said, well, uh, no. Well, why not? Did you tell him? What did he say? He said, "You give him something to eat." <laughs> what? He said, "You give him something to eat." Oh, what? You give him something to eat? I don't have anything to eat. What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to give him something to eat? And right then, you see the little boy, right, who snuck into town and got some Long John Silver's, two fish and some extra bread uh, for lunch. And you and you and then you can just see Peter go. He said, "Give me, give me that. Give me that. here." And then you say, "Here." This is what we can do. This is what we'll do. Take this up to Jesus and tell him, this is all we have. So we certainly can't feed everybody. What do you want us to do? This is all we have. It's Long John Silver's, Even a couple hush puppies in there, but there's a lot of people here. Come on. So you say, all right. So you take this back up to Jesus, and you say, Jesus, heard what you said. Good Oh boy. I tell you what, you are just going. This is some good stuff. I tell you what. But uh, listen, all we have is this little boy's lunch. And uh, so it's certainly not enough. So we wonder if you're going to dismiss service. So he says, okay, I'll tell you what. You're, why, are, why are you concerned? He said, I'm concerned about the people. You're concerned about the people? Yeah, concerned about the people. Okay. He said, have them sit down in groups of 50. What? What is wrong? What? Sit down in groups of 50? Sit down in groups of 50? All we have is this. He said, yeah, give me that lunch. Have everybody sit down in groups of 50. So now you got to go back to the committee again and tell them what he said. Is he going to dismiss service? No. What did he say? He said, well, get him to sit down in groups of 50. What? Get him to sit down in groups of 50. Oh, my goodness. What does he, what is wrong with this guy? We are going to be the laughingstock. Wait till the, uh, the, the first church of the Pharisees hears about this. We're, you know how we're blundering this thing. We're going to be the laughingstock of all the town. So you say, all right, we'll sit him down in groups of 50. He's done things before. We'll follow what he says. And so listen, now here's the, here's the most important part of this whole thing. So Jesus has this lunch right? And you go up to him and you say, now how are we going, what are we supposed to do here? And he says, all right, I'll tell you what, Uh, let's pray for it and I'll give it to you and I want you to give it out to the people. And then, now all of a sudden they catch a little bit of a revelation. Can you imagine that? Because he's done some things before. So they catch a little revelation and say, oh boy, okay, he's going going to do something here. I I bet this thing multiplies or something like that. I don't know exactly, but I think something's going to happen. So what he does is, and you, you ju- we just read it together, Jesus breaks what they give to him, he blesses it, and he gives that back to them. I don't, if you, I don't know if you just caught what just happened, but Jesus took what they gave to him, in fact, he broke it, so he gave back to them less than what they had. So you can just imagine. I like to pick on Peter. I mean, we like to pick on Peter as preacher sometimes. But you can just imagine Peter going, I, I don't know. This is not. This is less. This is only half. Um, he said, "Did, uh, did you, you want to pray for it some more?" He's, no, I'm done praying. <laughs> you don't want to pray? He said, "Okay, all right." So here's Peter. He got this piece of bread. So you can imagine he goes down the road and now he's you know he's got to break the bread, give it out to people and you can imagine what he's doing. Just a little piece, just take a little piece. Just take a little piece there. Okay. Here just take a little piece. Just take just, just take a little small piece. There's not enough. To, oh, I said a little piece now. Just a small piece. <laughs> just a little piece, just a little. And then he gets to the end and he still has as much as he had when he started out. Here's what I want you to know about this whole thing. The blessing and the multiplication didn't happen in the master's hands. Come on, we we read this thing. It didn't happen in the master's hands. It says in verse 16, he took the five loaves, two fish, looking up to heaven. He blessed and broke it and gave them to the disciples. Jesus blessed it, gave it back. Then the disciples had to then give it away. The blessing and the multiplication never happened until they gave it away. Until they gave it away, it never multiplied. And so here's two things that I want you to know about this passage here. First of all, we need to understand that we have to, and you've had this point already, but I want you to write it down again, (laughs) or remember it again. We must give the first to God. They had to give it first to Jesus to be blessed. He had to have it first. God had to have it first. Otherwise, it's not blessed. And then the second thing I want you to know is, you must give it away for it to be multiplied. Give what is blessed away. And you'll be blessed more. And it will multiply. It must go. Remember, the first part is the redemptive portion. So if that's not redeemed, the rest will be cursed. We talked about this now. Oh, some weeks ago. But if he blesses the first part of it, the rest will be blessed. You give the first part of it to him, the rest will be blessed. All the rest will be blessed. And I don't know about you. But just if you want to if you want to talk about money. I don't want something cursed in my bank account i'd rather give the first part to jesus and have a blessed bank account i don't want my time to be cursed now we all know to some extent what cursed time is like and in case you don't know just think back in your life when you thought you had all day to do something or you had a lot of time and all of a sudden now you know it's come up and you have no time left and you're going where did all the time go right I mean my kids experience that all the time because they got till next Friday to study for the test and then you know they don't 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 now all of a sudden it's Thursday and they want to stay up till midnight to do all their work right and uh, that test is here now and so you got to do it so we know what it's like to have cursed time I don't want my time to be cursed I'd rather give the first part of it to the Lord and you remember remember the parable of I found something else too I know I'm almost done I found something else, too, when I was reading. Remember we talked about the parable of the talents, right? I think that was back in Matthew 25. And uh, the parable of the talents, we read about that. But listen to this. Listen to this uh, revelation that God gave me. You guys probably already know it, but it was great for me, so I'm just going to preach it to you. And that is uh, this. When he, he gave five talents to one, two talents to another, one talent to the other servant, right? Remember that? Now, remember when he came back, The one with the five talents said this. He said, Master, here is what you gave to me. I'm giving back to you what you gave to me. And here's five more. I'm giving back to you what you gave to me. And here's five more on top of that. And he said, you are blessed. You are a good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of your Lord. Same thing with the one with two. He gave what was already yours back to the master, and then he gave him extra. See, we think that maintaining is faithfulness. Now, I want you to get this. This is important. We often feel like maintaining something is is faithfulness when maintaining is our reasonable service in other words just keeping it the status quo you know if i'm going to clean up i'll just clean up a little bit uh, you know my we call it the difference in straightening up and cleaning up you know my wife used to jump on me about see to me doing the dishes was just kind of doing the dishes and then that's it dishes are done and she used to tell me ain't hey, clean the kitchen you got to wipe off all the counters. You got to sweep the floor. I was going, oh man, I got to do all this kind of stuff. You know, but that's cleaning the kitchen. So see, just maintaining is not faithfulness. But God, and that's what we say. We think maintaining is faithfulness. But God doesn't call that faithfulness. He calls increase faithfulness. And the way we know that is because the third servant said, I'm giving you back what is yours. And that's all he did. God gave it to him. He gave back to him what was his. That's all he did. He said, you wicked and lazy servant, I cast you out. You get that revelation? Maintaining is not faithfulness, but increase is faithfulness. Increasing is faithfulness. God wants us to go over and above because that's what he does for us. He doesn't want us to just simply maintain he wants us to increase and he will increase for us i'll tell you something else i really believe that tithing is not giving i don't know if i should be saying this or not (laughs) but just based on this right here uh this servant i believe that tithing is not giving because tithing is just simply giving back to god what he already gave to us that's what we owe Isn't it? We owe the tithe. If you're going to give, you have to give above and beyond that. Being nice to people, that's your reasonable service. See, people think, oh, I'm going to be a Christian. I'll be nice to people. Yeah, that's what you should do. That's who you are. We have to do that. But who here today is willing to go above and beyond to pray and say, Lord, what would you have me do and be open to that? And be willing to go above and beyond what God has called us to do with our time, with our money, with our ministries, with helping out with ministries. Come on. I'll just put it on the table. Come on. Who's willing to go above and beyond? Because here's the question. I could ask it like this. Who's willing to give up everything they have to the Lord, turn it over to him? and be blessed more than you ever could imagine because he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think so the question on the table today is who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord who is willing to say Lord I understand I understand what you're saying. That what I've been doing is maintaining. I've been giving up my time. I've been nice to people. I've been giving my tithe. But I understand, Lord, that you want me to go above and beyond. You want me to help out a little more where I wasn't before. You want me to help that person that I see on the street. You want me to pray for someone in my family when I'm tired. I'm ready to go to bed. Someone calls me on the phone. You want me to talk to them a little longer and encourage them. When I'm offended, you want me to forgive them even when I know that I am right. Come on, all of us could use some of that. You want me to give in areas that I've not given in before. That is the question that's on the table for you today. Stand to your feet this morning.